Revelation chapter 16, and the title of our message this morning is The End of the World. The End of the World. But let's pray first. God, thank you so much for this morning. We also, Lord, uh, we, we continue, God, to also praise you and continue to give you glory, even as we sing, God, you reign and you reign, and our comfort and hope is found in that. And so, Lord, we worship you also with the word. And as we study your word, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon us right now in this room. And may you give us more understanding and an insight into this passage today. And I also pray, God, that you have a word, a message for each one of us. So anoint this time with your spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two preachers were standing on the side of this mountain road, and one was holding this sign that said, Turn around before it's too late. Then the second one held a sign saying, The end is near. Well, a car came speeding around the curve and suddenly stopped after seeing the signs, and the driver rolled down his window, and, and, and he yelled out, You Christians always talking about the end of the world, always making yourselves out to be better than everyone. Go back to your church and stay away from the road with your signs. So he rolled up the window and he sped up. Well, then the car uh, went down the road and went around the bend and soon the sound of screeching tires were heard, followed by this huge splash. Well, at that, the one preacher turned to the other one and asked, do you think we should change our sign to say something maybe more clear? And the other preacher replied, yeah, maybe it should be something like, turn around, bridge out. <laughs> Good, the end is near on it. <laughs> well, anyway, as we return to our study in the book of Revelation, we now come to the first five of the seven bowl judgments. And you know what? With this, everyone in the world, will, will, they'll see clearly that this is God. And hopefully they will see clearly that the end is not near, but the end is here. So thus I titled our message, The End of the World. We've come to that point now in Revelation, where this is the last judgment, and it's coming to uh, this place now, the end of the world. So, Revelation chapter 16, this morning we're going to study from verse 1 through 11, 1 through 11. And four things we're going to see here. Number one, the unimaginable suffering. Number two, the unquestionable justice. Number three, the unprecedented collapse. And number four, the unapologetic response. And so that's what we're going to be seeing. That's the idea in our passage today. But let's begin with number one in our message, the end of the world in Revelation 16, with number one, In our outline, the unimaginable suffering. The unimaginable suffering. Verse 1, we're going to take it here. Uh, This section we're actually going to cover from verse 1 through 4 if you're taking notes. But first of all, let's take a look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So we'll stop here. We begin here with what John is, John the Apostle is writing this, what he sees next. He says in verse 1, then, then, well that's after what we saw last week. Last time we saw the title of the message was the ceremony for the last judgment. And remember we saw 
the tribulation saints come out with this praise song to God who will now end the evil and Satan and the Antichrist and bring vengeance upon the persecutions that were co- that had come and were coming upon the believers at that time. And then the last thing we saw was the seven angels were presented, right? They were presented with the seven bowls in preparation to pour them out. So time has come here in chapter 16. Time has come for the end. And so the Lord speaking here, uh, John says, I heard a loud voice. Now I believe that's the Lord God speaking here from the temple, the temple in heaven. And I believe so time has come and the official word now comes out to officially send the seven angels to pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath in judgment against sin upon the world. So this is the point where we've come now. This is the last judgment. So this is the end of the world stuff. Uh, After this, Jesus will return. And I know we have some more chapters to chapter 19, but God's going to expand a little bit more what's going on during the time of these last bowls here. But the end of the world is basically here. You know, Isaiah prophesied of this moment in Isaiah 66, verse 6. I was looking at that number going, wow, that's interesting, right? And this is from the NLT version. It says, what is all the commotion in the city? What is that terrible noise from the temple? It is the voice of the Lord taking vengeance against his enemies. And I believe Isaiah was talking about this very moment that we have come to in the book of Revelation. I thought it was interesting, something John MacArthur wrote, the worldwide rebellion of sinful mankind will bring the worldwide judgment of holy God. And I thought, oh, I I love how he said that. I think that's what we're at right now. So we come to this point where the pouring out of the seven bowls of judgment is beginning. And so as we get into this section, we're going to see three of them. And so first of all, out of the first bowl comes painful sores. And that's what we're going to see. Out of the first bowl comes painful sores. Now take a look at verse 2. Revelation 16 verse 2 says, So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful source came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worship its image so the first angel goes out goes out in, into the world he pours out his bowl remember the bowl i mentioned is more like this shallow saucer and it's filled with god's wrath well he pours that out on the earth and it affects all the people of the earth And it results in this painful, harmful sores that basically break out over all the skin, all your skin. And sores here in original language means like festering sores, like 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 oozing kind of sores. And and it causes much pain. Matter of fact, the word says it's malignant. In other words, there's no cure for this. There's no way you can you can do anything for it. It is incurable. And maybe I thought, well, maybe it's just some cancerous kind of sores that, that break out. And it, I know it's kind of gross, but it's oozing and all of that. So just kind of picture that in your mind. But notice what it says here in verse 2. It says that these sores came upon what? The people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. It's those people who gave their allegiance 
to the Antichrist and really to worship Satan. Remember, we've been talking about that almost every week. We've seen that the mark back in Revelation 13 really meant they were like giving their life to the Antichrist. That the world embraced the Antichrist. At that time, at the midpoint of the tribulation, they wanted him. They thought, well, he's this superhuman guy. We want to evolve like him, have powers like him. And, and, and they've been deceived into hating God and uh, 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 acknowledging the power of Satan. So they're, they've embraced and so, yeah, we'll take the mark. Yeah, we'll take the mark. We'll bow down to that image that was set up either in the temple or by the temple if it's this huge image that came alive that the false prophet did. All that we learned back in chapter 13. Well, all those people who took the mark, who worshipped the image of the Antichrist, they were the ones who received these sores. They were the ones where when the bowl was poured out, where the sores came upon them. So God targeted those who had given their lives over to Satan, basically. So those who received the mark of the Antichrist were marked, you should say, by God with painful sores. Now, to me, this seems to echo plague number six in Exodus 9. You know, when the plagues fell up, the ten plagues fell upon Egypt there, uh, when Israel was in bondage there, and God used that to release uh, Israel from the Egyptian uh, chain and bondage, right? You remember, boils came upon the Egyptians so much so that the Pharaoh's magicians, they could not do anything about it. Right? Remember, there's some of the plagues they mimic, but this, they, they couldn't do that. So in my mind, I think that as the world receives these sores, this, this plague, so to speak, it, the world looks to the Antichrist and to Satan to heal them. But there was no relief from these sores. No relief at all. And so just as also, just as the Egyptians were the only ones affected with boils, and Israel wasn't harmed, that's what I think we see here. That the saints, the tribulation saints, who believe believers there during the tribulation time, and Jewish believers, they, I believe, were protected yeah, from what was poured out of this first bowl. And so this is a horrible time for the world. Deuteronomy 28.35 says, The world, I mean, the Lord will cover your knees and legs with incurable boils. In fact, you'll be covered from head to foot. So I imagine that. Perhaps Deuteronomy is prophesying this time that, can you imagine from head to foot all the way they were covered? Do you imagine how hard that must be? I don't know about you guys, but um, I don't know why. I think guys... When I get some sort of sickness, I'm, I turn into this big baby. I'm like, Kristen, I don't feel good being me water, Kristen. You know, and it's like I can't move. It's funny because when she gets sick, she's still serving everybody, right? But I turn into this big baby. But I'm thinking, I cannot imagine what, how bad this will be. There's no cream you could put upon yourself. Yeah, there's nothing you can you, you can't soak in something, you know, in your bathtub. There's no relief. There's no cure. Just unimaginable suffering 24 seven. So out of the first bowl comes these painful sores. Secondly, we see here out of the second bowl, the ocean turns to blood. Look at verse three now. Verse three. 
Verse 3 says, The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. I mean, this is horrible. The second angel goes out, pours out his bowl. Now, the first one on the earth and affected the people. But this angel pours his bowl out on the oceans, and it affects all life. Because the ocean, look at here, it says, became like the blood of a corpse. You know what that's talking about? It became like thick and dark and coagulated, like, like a pool of blood next to someone, say, who has been stabbed. Think about that. And so it's this thick gross, you know, kind of uh, a dark kind of substance here. And no wonder every living thing in the ocean died. You can't live in water like that, right? You know, back in Revelation 8, if you remember when we were going through the trumpet judgments, the second trumpet uh, was blown by the angel and one-third of the sea became blood and one-third of sea life died. And remember, we, uh, we talked about that. I, I kind of uh, think uh, something fell in the water, this burning thing. So I'm guessing it was some asteroid maybe came in from space or broke a, apart and hit the ocean and contaminated the ocean in that way. But here, it's not one-third. Yeah, one-third had already gone. Here with the second bowl, everything else, everything in the sea dies. I don't know if it's another asteroid or, 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 or like that, but you know what? I, I tend to believe it's just God doing this, pouring out his judgment upon the ocean. So total devastation comes to sea life when the ocean turns to blood. So you can see why this is, this is end of the world stuff that's happening. Did you know the ocean covers more than 70% of the surface of the planet? And did you know that 97% of the Earth's water is found in our oceans? So can you imagine? The, it's just turned into blood, all this water. You can imagine how bad this will be. It's going to stink really bad, right? How gross it's going to be. I mean, you can't go swimming. You can't surf in it or nothing like that. You, you, you can't soak you know, some people like to soak in the ocean, get relief for their skin, right? You can't go in and soak for all, with all those sores. And you imagine the beauty of the ocean is gone. This is end of the world stuff going on. I was reading um, John Phillips, and he, uh, he talked about way back in 1949, this red tide hit the coast of Florida. It was Thick with countless, he writes, adenoflagellates, which is marine plankton, this one-cell uh, uh, creature there. And, and they're tiny one-celled organisms. And 60 miles of the beach were filled with stinking dead fish because of this red tide. And much of, much of the marine life in that area was wiped out. But think about this, worldwide now, yeah, all over, every ocean, every uh, seawater, saltwater, it's, it's just blood, and it's thick, and it's gross. No more food from the ocean, right? No fish, you can't go fishing, no ocean sports, none of that, no more of this beautiful ocean. So out of the first bowl comes painful sores. Out of the second bowl, the ocean turns to blood. And then number three, the third bowl, out of the third bowl, fresh water becomes blood. This is verse 4 now. 
the angel, the, the, the third angel, excuse me, poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. So the third angel flies out, goes out from, from the temple, the heavenly temple, and he pours his bowl on the rivers and springs of water. First angel was on the earth, affected the people. The second angel was on the ocean, and it turned out to blood. But now look at this one. Rivers and springs of water, they become blood too. Now, understand there's already been a drought, right? We, 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 we saw that with the third trumpet that contaminated one-third of the rivers and the springs of water. And then remember the two witnesses, which I believe came upon the scene in the first half of the tribulation. They stopped the rain for three and a half years. So there's no rain, and in one of the seals, there's famine in the land. I think it contributed all of, to all this. But now, now any remaining fresh water is turned to blood. There's no longer any drinkable water left anywhere on the planet. Do you see why this is the end of the world here happening? You know, back uh, in Exodus 7, plague number one. Remember plague number one? The water was turned into blood, and it was not just the rivers, it was not just the Nile, it was not just the canals and ponds, we, we studied that way back, you know, in Exodus, but all over Egypt, right, even pools of water, even containers, the scripture says wood and stone, that, that held water, that turned to blood also. And this is how huge this was, you know, that, that it was a sign from God. God's doing this. God's bringing this judgment. So I wonder if the same is happening here. I wonder if, if, if it spread out. It, it could be. I don't know. But not just the, the fresh water and rivers and streams and ponds and lakes. But can you imagine if it even went, came into, into your bottled water? Yeah. Your, your purified water comes out of the sink. We have a little faucet for that. It's blood. I don't know. It, it, it could be. It could be. I mean, water's already short already. And then though all the rivers and, and waters and streams of water turn to blood. You know, I was thinking about this um, today. I don't know if you guys know, but Israel, in their technology, they're, they're just miles ahead in technology. God's really blessed them in that country and their, 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 their techno technology in all areas. But Today, Israel and their technology has perfected getting fresh water from the ocean. They now have the largest desalination plant in the world. And that plant in Israel supplies 55% of its domestic water needs. Isn't it unbelievable? I mean, we should get that here, right? It's amazing how God has blessed them in that way. Well, during the time of the tribulation, I almost wonder if the Antichrist is going to use that. Yeah, when when the trumpet blows and waters get poisoned, when the drought comes, the rain is stopped by the two witnesses. Maybe he's going to take that over, and he's he's going to still have some water. But maybe in the fourth boat, it's all going to be gone, right? Because the ocean's all blood, right? And then any any containers left over or storage tanks. Maybe it's all blood too. I don't, I don't know for sure, but we know the rivers and the streams for sure are turned blood and the fresh water supply, the, the, the source, is all gone, including the ocean. So how awful this time will be. Imagine being thirsty, yeah? having no more water, nothing to drink. Imagine people crying out to, oh, Satan, 
We worship your power. We talked about that, how they, they, they look at Satan's power like, he, you know, he's the guy, he's the one. They magnify him. Remember, I think it was back in chapter 12, that he has all power. He's the great one. But now they cry to him and Satan cannot help. They cannot do anything about it. All the unimaginable suffering that's going on. You know, in a way today, people are thirsty. They're spiritually thirsty. The world offers things. Satan tempts the world with things. But those things can never quench your thirst. Never. Only Jesus can, right? Jesus comes with the living water. So I call out to you guys who've been chasing things in the world, been been trying to get have your thirst quenched from things in the world. You'll never have that thirst quenched. Only Jesus can. So will you drink from God's well? So this is what it will be like at the end of the world. We've seen the unimaginable suffering. Let's go to number two. The unquestionable justice. The unquestionable justice. Now we're going to cover verses 5 through 7 here. But first of all, verse 5 and 6. Revelation 16, verse 5 says, And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. Now, there's a little break here from the pouring out of the bowls. And and this third angel who poured out the third bowl on the fresh water, and that's why it says he's the one in charge of the waters. You know, he came over and poured his bowl on the water. It speaks, uh, he speaks now, and he seemingly uh, answers maybe a question that's going through people's minds. Even maybe today, maybe we're reading this and go, oh, this is nuts here. Yeah. This is crazy. But he seems to answer a question like, how can God do this? Yeah. This is gory. I mean, I mean, this is like, oh, I, I don't I don't like horror films or anything like that, you know. But this is bloody. I don't I don't even like blood. I mean, sometimes my wife likes to watch those um surgery kind of shows or 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 scenes like that. And, and I can't. I, I got to turn away. I'm like, change the channel. No, 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 what? You know, kind of thing. But think about this. There's blood in the ocean, blood in the waters. This, this is pretty gross here. And so it can hit you like, what? How can God do this? Why so much blood? Well, the angel declares here, answering that question. He says, just are you. Just are you, God. He's saying, just are you're, you're just in giving out these judgments on the world. Because you know what, Lord? You're the Holy One. Oh, the Holy One, he, he cries out here in uh, verse 5. Oh, Holy One. He, he's pure. He cannot do any evil. He's pure and holy. He cannot do any evil at all. So what he's doing is just. And then he's the one who is and who was. You know what that speaks to me? He's the great I am. He's the eternal God. There's no one like Him. Yeah. If anything, we all need to bow to Him. The world needs to bow to the great I Am, the eternal God. Right. And so whatever He does, He does. It's going to be right. It's going to be just. It's going to be holy. So this God, the eternal one, the great I Am, He brings 
vengeance. And God's vengeance is just. For, you know why? Verse 6, because they, the world, have shed the blood of the saints and prophets. They've killed the tribulation saints, or or maybe even Jewish believers, perhaps, uh, maybe, but they're, they're being protected. But, but the tribulation saints, for sure, have been martyred, for sure. And the prophets, remember the two prophets? The Antichrist killed them, and the world rejoiced in that. They gave gifts and had a party, right? So they're part, they're, they're part of that too, right? And, and, and so anyone who preached the word, maybe other guys, uh, could be considered prophets too. Who, whoever witnessed Jesus Christ, well, they were murdered also. And so because, verse 6, notice, they have shed the blood of those, you've given them blood to drink. Isn't that interesting? The bloodshed uh, was uh, what they did, and their judgment is to have blood to drink. Isn't that interesting? I circled those two things. The bloodshed was their, their the judgment because of, of the bloodshed was blood to drink. And then the, the, uh, it says, it is what they deserve. The angel says, this is what they deserve. So the third angel declares, this judgment is what the world deserves. This is unquestionable justice here. Unquestionable justice. Now we've seen in the during the tribulation time I mentioned to you, and we've seen how the persecution upon believers, tribulation saints, yeah, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be fierce. Yeah, it's going to be worse than any time in history. Uh, more blood will be shed than ever before, with hostility, with hatred. But you know what? I was imagining even with enthusiasm. Yeah. And that, to me, is even more evil in killing Christians, believers. And, and that's why, if you remember back in Revelation chapter 6, and the fifth seal was opened, we saw the tribulation saints under the altar, and they were crying out the Lord, crying out to the Lord, will, when will you avenge us? When will you avenge us of our blood? If you remember that. Because so many were brutally killed and martyred. Well, time has come. And the sentence of judgment here fits the crime. Because of the bloodshed, they have blood to drink. And then verse 7, John writes, And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgment. So from the altar, from the, that heavenly uh, uh, temple in there, from the altar in there, it seems like either another angel comes in and speaks. Maybe it's one of the tribulation saints, but John hears someone in agreement saying like, yes and amen. Saying like, God, oh God, you are true. You are the Almighty. You do the right thing. You cannot do wrong. You are just in this type of judgment and it's equal to the sin committed. Blood and blood. The voice repeats and confirms the unquestionable justice. Listen to this. Um, I'm not going to put it on the screen. It's kind of long. But someone put it this way in God's righteous judgments. They say, God cannot love righteousness unless he deals with sin. God cannot love truth unless he hates what is false. God cannot love goodness unless he hates wickedness. God cannot reward righteousness unless he first punishes unrighteousness. 
This is the God, our holy God. This is our true and just God. So the righteous God must right the wrong. And here's what we see here. The judgment on the people of the world is equal to what the world did to God's people. That's basically what we're seeing here. You know, I was thinking about how God brought vindication on Pharaoh. You remember how Pharaoh drowned the Hebrew baby boys? Well, later Pharaoh's army was drowned in the Red Sea. Or think about Haman, right, in the, in the uh, uh, book of um, Esther, right? Remember Haman, how he, he built these gallows to hang Mordecai on. But in the end, he ended up being hang, hung on there instead, right? This is what we're seeing here. The judgment on the people of the world is equal to what the world did to God's people. I know, again, this is not the most pleasant thing to hear about, on a Sunday morning. I said that, been saying that almost every week, and I thought, okay, God, here we go. Is everyone going to get tired? Judgment, judgment, judgment. But but understand, this is this is where we're at in our study through the book of Revelation. Uh, you know, that's what we do in this church, right? We go verse by verse, you know, chapter by chapter. Uh, I'm led to which book, you know, we study. Uh, after six, 16, 15, 60 years, we study through the whole Bible, and so we're going back through it again. And so as a church, this is our second time in Revelation. And I just, this is my assignment. We're in chapter 16. I just preached that. If we, if we did more topical messages, you know, honestly, I'd skip this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is great. Come in and talk about this. But we are here, you guys. And I'm assigned by the Lord to come and serve you and bring this topic to you, to bring this passage, to bring it out to you. So in that, Think about this. You're here. God has sovereignly placed you here. God has brought you here. You're connected online. God is sovereignly. You're, ha- you're here, right here in this study in the, in the first part of chapter 16. You know what? That means that God has a message for us. Whatever it is in this passage, God has a message for you and I today. Maybe it's Understanding that God will bring justice to wrongs that are done. Maybe that gives us hope. Maybe it, 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 it's, it, it's that God says, don't worry. Justice is coming upon the world. No matter how crazy this world is going and, and what people are doing, what governments are doing, what, what, how, how the morals in our society is changing and it's almost like we can't do anything. No worries. God sees it. He will take care of it. And if there's evil done to you, no worries. God will bring justice. But perhaps you're doing evil to someone. Careful. Careful. Because God will bring justice to anyone who does evil. And that's why it's so important to have Jesus in our lives, to be saved, to have his blood cover our sins. The evil that we've done, God can forgive you and cleanse you. And you could be covered by his blood. So when this unquestionable justice comes upon the world, when it falls upon the end of the world, you, you won't have to be under that. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you. Maybe maybe you've done wrong. And maybe you've been 
treating someone with evil and, and, and you've been bringing injustice, you, you know what? It's time to go to Jesus to be cleansed of that. Maybe you're feeling that. Maybe you're feeling that guilt. But the Lord can help you and the Lord can forgive you and the Lord can cleanse you, make you new. Just go to Jesus right now. So all this will fall at the end of the world. Let's go to number three, the unprecedented collapse. The unprecedented collapse. We've seen the unimaginable suffering, the unquestionable justice that, that in, in this little break. And now, now the bulls continue in this unprecedented collapse. So we've seen, just a review, out of the first bowl comes painful sores. Out of the second bowl, the ocean turns to blood. Out of the third bowl, fresh water becomes blood. And now number four, out of the fourth bowl, the sun scorches the world. And this is verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. Here it says in verse 8, The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. So the fourth angel now goes out, and he pours his bowl on the sun. First one on the earth, affected the people. Second one on the ocean, right? Killed everything, blood. So the third one on the, on the rivers and streams of water, and, and that turned to blood. Well, now we come to the fourth one. He pours it on the sun. And what happens? Well, it affects, it affects the, everyone in the world. The people are scorched with fire, and with a fierce heat. Perhaps, I, I was speculating, perhaps the, the sun sort of like supernovas, yeah? Maybe explodes and just starts to burn hotter and hotter and hotter. Temperatures rise to like unbearable levels. Can you imagine when, when the heat is like, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of degrees maybe? I, I don't know, but it, it just rises, right? Imagine all the glaciers melt, right? The, the North and South Pole, they melt. You know? the, uh, all the ice sheets in Greenland are gone. You know, I was reading, uh, one commentator said that when everything melts like that, it'll raise the sea level 200 feet. And if it does that, imagine, this, this is more a, a, a flooding of waters than, than any any climate, global warming kind of change, you know, would would happen. This is incredible. And think about this. Remember, the ocean is still what? Blood. And it's just more blood. It's more blood. And the waters take over, yeah? Big cities, maybe New York, Tokyo, Los Angeles, Rio de Janeiro, <laughs> uh, Rome, Athens, Shanghai, Singapore, Hong Kong, all gone destroy when the water comes up. Perhaps in this fierce heat, and we also read that it scorched people with fire. You know, I, I, perhaps maybe the protective ozone layer, you know, that's around the earth is taken away and no more filters. So the deadly UV rays come in with high levels of in radiation. I mean, people will, will literally be fried. Think about it. If you go outside, you'll just burn. Yeah. Your, your skin will, will, will like melt and burn like, like you put your hand in, in a microwave or something. 
This is a crazy time, end of the world stuff. Notice one thing here, that in verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his bow on his son, and look at this word, and it was allowed. The son was allowed. You know, that made me think of how the son was allowed to scorch people. That God, the creator, in his sovereignty, who graciously kept his protective hand over the world, now removes that in judgment. What once used to give us light and warmth, energy and life, now the sun turns super deadly. And you know what? Even knowing, even knowing the world, knowing that Satan and the Antichrist are powerless, that only God could stop this. Because look in verse 9. It says that uh, um, they cursed, the world cursed the name of God who had power over the place. They know this is God. And they know Satan and Antichrist don't, they can't do anything. God has the power over the place. They still did not repent and give God glory. They didn't acknowledge him as the powerful one, the great I am the creator, sovereign over the world. Isn't that sad? We're going to talk more of this in the next section. But what we see in this unprecedented collapse of really the benefits of the sun, we see that now it, the sun brings much harm. Listen to what Malachi the prophet said in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Oh, the world's literally going to be on fire. All right, so out of the first bowl, painful sores. Out of the second bowl, the ocean turns to blood. Out of the third bowl, fresh water becomes blood. Out of the fourth bowl, the sun scorches the world. And number five, out of the fifth bowl, thick and heavy Darkness. And this is the last bowl we're going to look at today. But out of the fifth bowl comes thick and heavy darkness. And I think this is super interesting. Look at verse 10. It says, The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish. Isn't that crazy? The fifth angel comes. He pours his bowl, not on like, sun, earth, waters, ocean, or anything like that. But this fifth angel pours his bowl on the throne of the beast. And who's the beast? The Antichrist, right? And what, what's his throne talking about? I believe it's talking about the capital city of the Antichrist. And as we mentioned, it could be Babylon, yeah? It could be where, where his office is, yeah? Where he rules the world at this time. So darkness, it, it starts there. And then it goes out, says, into the kingdom, his kingdom. And I believe that means it goes out into the world. So from the capital of, of where the Antichrist is ruling the world, darkness comes upon that area. It, it may be right there, his building. And then it just starts to spread out. like, And it just goes out into the whole world. And I believe it envelops the whole world. It goes all the way, plunging the world into darkness. I don't know, maybe it could be the sun, supernovas, burns out, gets super hot, radiation, no more ozone. Then it just goes out. 
And then the whole world is just plunged into this darkness. But understand, this is more than just physical darkness or in the sense, you know, light and darkness in that way. I believe it's this kind of supernatural, you know, supernatural darkness that comes upon the earth to say this is the judgment of God. You remember like when Jesus was hanging on the cross? He hung on the cross from like 9 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. And he... He gave himself up at three, and that's when he actually died. But he just hung there suffering. Do you remember it says in, in Matthew 27 that from 12 p.m., the sixth hour, to the ninth hour, to 3 p.m., darkness came over the land. And it was a symbol of God's judgment falling upon Christ as he took upon the penalty of sin for us when he was they're hanging and dying on the cross. So here, I see this darkness like that. And judgment is falling upon the whole world. And in this heavy and thick darkness, and I, I, I say it so much so, I think you could feel it, yeah? That the people nod on their tongues. The NLT puts it, grinding their teeth in anguish. That's how crazy it's going to be. So the unprecedented collapse, I believe, of the sun, let's say, brings an eerie darkness you can feel. You know, plague number nine in Exodus 10 was darkness that covered the land. And it was so dark, no one could see one another. That's what the scripture tells us. And so there's no doubt, you guys, God is judging yeah, the Antichrist. It starts there. Right? At his capital. There's no doubt God is judging the world as it spreads out into the whole world. There's no doubt Satan and the Antichrist are powerless to do anything. There's no doubt that God's judgment is here. You know, there's an evil darkness I feel is taking over the land today. The world is heading more and more into what we, we see, you know, that is so wrong, you know, compared to the Bible. And they're saying, no, it's okay. The world is heading more and more into sin and, 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 and you know saying what's wrong is right and right is wrong. But know this, what we're reading here, God will return a judgment of darkness because they rejected the light. But where are you today? Are you getting caught up into that darkness of the world? As I mentioned, watch out. Come to Jesus. Because God's going to bring in another darkness of judgment. So here we are at the edge of the end of the world. We've seen the unimaginable suffering, the unquestionable justice, the unprecedented collapse. And now number four, our last heading, the unapologetic response. And this is verse 11 now. Verse 11, our last verse for today. And it says, And curse the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. But remember, back up at verse 9, it was the same thing, right? It was the same thing. Verse 9, at the end of verse 9, it says, They cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. So we see in verse 9, after the scorching sun, the painful sores, no life in the ocean, no more fresh water, the world would not repent, knowing it's God now. 
Knowing it's the Lord bringing judgment. And after the, the nine darkness, the world is in, dark, in this darkness, you know, the world still would not repent of their sinful deeds, we see in verse 11. And sadly, they cursed the God of heaven. The word curse means they blaspheme God. They, 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 they totally just disrespected, put down God. Our last point is the unapologetic response was basically to lift their fists up against God and curse Him. Can you imagine, oh God, you know, in anger and hostility? I, you know what I imagine? I don't know about you today. Sometimes we watch some souls shows, TV shows or you know series, and I cannot believe how much the F word is being spoken. I mean, it, it's 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 like repulsive. We're like, we don't like the show just because of that. It's just more out there, more than ever before, and it's in the media. So can you imagine this stuff is happening? They don't just hit, put their fists up, but they give God the finger. That's, that's how bad it becomes. And they won't repent, even with all of this going on. So understand this. At this point, right, people in the whole world, they know God is real. They know Jesus Christ is real. They know Satan is real. They know that Antichrist has power, right? They've seen it. That's why they made allegiance to him. They know God is the one bringing them judgment for their sins, for, for, for killing yeah, the, the saints. They know that Satan is powerless to stop any of these bulls, yet they will not repent of their sin. They will not, will not humble themselves to the great I am. They, they don't, they're more like about, they don't like God, what God is doing to them. They hate God. They're angry at God. Look what you're doing to us. you putting this upon us. They're blind to their own sin and what they've done. And that's how far they have gone into darkness and evil. They're blinded, yeah, by Satan. They're blinded in all this thinking, God's the bad one, Satan's the good one. Jesus Christ, he's nothing. The Antichrist is everything. And we've seen that. I built you up to this point here, right? When we are in Revelation 12 and 13 to see, wow, the world embracing Satan because they, they hate God now. They're worshiping Satan. But God has tried to help them, right? Giving them 144,000 witnesses, uh, the two witnesses, I believe tribulation saint guys, you know, are still trying to witness. And they, they remember the angel went out witnessing uh, for Christ and the gospel, warning them of the judgment to come. I think even in this moment, as we read that they did not repent, even, even with all this, that even in the judgment, I believe that has to happen, that God has been trying to reach them, right? That God is trying to wake them up. C.S. Lewis once wrote this. It's one of my favorite quotes from him. He wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. 
It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Isn't that good? And it's true. I mean, those of you who have been through it, those of you maybe in your before you came to Christ, you went through it. You hit that bottom. But what did it do? It woke you up to the reality of your sin and the consequences of the choices you made. And many times that, that happens, right? When we go through struggles or trials and troubles come upon us, it wakes us up. We're like, oh, we, oh yeah, God, help me. Forgive me. I've been doing so much wrong. Lord, what, what do you want me to do? You know, help me. And you start reading the Bible again. You start praying. You start coming to church again and finding who you are in Christ. God will use those trials, the consequences of our sins, to wake us up like C.S. Lewis says. And I see God trying to show the world. I mean, they know this is God. They know Satan can't do this, but still they do not repent even in the judgments. You know, I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking, why? Why is that? Yeah. Why? I mean, I know oh, things happen to me. It's like, oh, God. Oh, Lord. You know, it's like our kids. We discipline them. They're like, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, I'll do better, you know? I mean, it's our reaction to things. Well, these guys going through this tremendous end of the world events and calamities falling upon them, they're still like, I curse you, God. Why is it they don't repent? You know why? They're so far into darkness. And in this darkness, they have put themselves at the center of their world. In other words, self, it's like they've become the center of their universe. It's not about God, really. They like Satan Antichrist because they like themselves. Yeah, you know how how, how people. Uh, uh, if if oh you're you're you know you you think you're the center of the universe that kind of thing. Well, think about the whole world like that. Yeah. Oh, I want to evolve and become a superhuman like the Antichrist. Yeah. Oh, the Antichrist is about what I want. Oh, Satan. Yeah, he he cares more about us because he gives us what I want. Yeah. And God, well, he just comes and he brings inconveniences to my life. Yeah? These judgments, they just bring suffering and pain. Look, look what they're doing to me. And so Satan has deceived them into so much thinking that they're the center of their own little universe that they question God now. That they look at God as being the evil one. Yeah? You know what? That's the devil's ultimate goal. If we could take home anything today, take that home. Listen to me. He wants you to become self-centered. That's his plan. Because if you just think about yourself, then, well, you're angry at everybody. Someone does something, you're angry at them, right? He wants you to just think of yourself. You're you're the center. Oh, look what they do to you. Oh, forget them. He wants you to think that way. Oh, and then you start thinking, yeah, yeah, oh, God, he serves me, rather than we serve God. He leads you down to that road. Oh, God didn't do this for me. I prayed. Bible says, ask and you shall receive. I prayed, nothing happened. Oh, forget you, God. But why? Because all we're doing is thinking about ourselves. Careful, you guys. 
Have you been deceived into thinking that? Always pleasing yourself, always about you, not dying to yourself, as Jesus told us, right? Not putting God, God, you're God, I'm not, what do you want me to do? Yeah? Giving into your feelings, that's my feelings, that's my emotions. Being controlled by that and not controlled by who? The Holy Spirit, right? See, Satan, he's devious, and he'll tempt us and draw us into that way and lead us astray, right? Like the other day, I was at the store and and I was at Home Depot. I had these long pipes and and you know I was coming around the corner of an aisle <laughs> and the pipes were sticking out and I was trying to go slow. I, I can't see, right? And and all of a sudden, I, as I started to peek out, uh, this woman walked by and I was like, oh, oh sorry. And then it was like the husband walked by with his kid and goes, oh, go, go, like mocking me. And he kept walking. It wasn't like he stopped and saying, go. He was like mocking me. I'm thinking, hey, sorry, I, I didn't, I mean, in my mind, I didn't say anything. It was like, in my mind, it was like, uh, uh, sorry, I didn't, you know, mean. But, but also my mind started rolling. You know what? That's what I see here. Yeah? It's all about you. Oh, you cut me off. Oh, I'm the one who should own the whole road. Right? Right? How dare you come in front of me? How dare you cross me? Right? It all becomes about me, me, me. So watch your heart. Watch your heart. Don't become the center of your own universe. And that's what happened here. And you know what? When you Run, run that way, you, you go into more darkness. You do. Because you want your stuff. Yeah? And then you're easily led down into a pleasing yourself, pleasing your flesh, pleasing sin. Yeah? And you're, you're, you're brought into that darkness. And you know what? The world has been running this way so long. They're so blind. And they can't come out of it. And that's what's happening here. How, have you been running this way so long that you, you like it? That's what happens. You like that. You like the sin. You like your pride. You like your sin. And maybe you're here because that be the reason why you're rejecting Jesus today. J- Jesus said in John 3:19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And this is the state of the world. And we'll see that we see right now in Revelation. They're caught up in themselves. They're caught up in the evil. They're in this darkness and they love it so much. They don't like the light at all. Have you become so accustomed to darkness, you're not comfortable in the light? Watch out. Watch out. I'll close with this. Way back in the 1700s, a man was locked up in the Bastille prison in Paris, France. And one day, it was, uh, <clears throat> um, it was ordered that it be torn down, and they're going to make something else. Well, uh, when it was ordered to be torn down, one of the prisoners was offered a pardon and they're released. They, they could have been let go. 
You've been there a long time, you know. Oh, here's a chance. You can go. Well, the prisoner was taken out from the lowest, darkest dungeon where he was held captive for a long time to release him. But since he was so accustomed to the darkness, the bright light bothered him so much, he begged to be put back into the prison. He said, I want to just die there. Isn't that sad? But spiritually, we can get that way. We can get that way with our lives. We get so accustomed to our sin that, oh, we don't like the light of Jesus. And that's a dangerous place to be. And you know what? That means you're lost. You're lost. But today, we have a chance. Jesus wants to free us from our sins and the bondage of our sin. If we only repent, just give our life and heart to him. And if we do, we will not have to experience what we see here today when judgment comes at the end of the world. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us of our sins, God, and especially for our selfishness, Lord. Especially how we make things about me. How, our fe- how I feel. How my emotions drive me. How, how I want what I want, but not what you want, Lord. How, Lord, sometimes I I become the center of the universe and everyone should do what I want and and, and, and appease me and, and please me. But God, that is so backwards in that evolutionary kind of thinking. Lord, it only leads us down that road of more sin, more darkness, more evil in our life. And God, I pray for anyone here or anyone connected online that you would free us from that, God, and wake us up, Lord, and help us to lay ourselves down before the cross, Lord, and, and give you our heart, give you our life, that you would be our master, that you would be the Lord, that you would be sitting on the throne of our heart and not us anymore, but we would do what you want, that we would humble ourselves and think of others first, that we would live for you and not live for what pleases me no matter how hard so Lord we humble ourselves before you as we see what's coming at the end of the world and we don't want to be there we don't want to take part of that we don't want to be part of the world spinning toward that direction right now at this moment and so God I pray for everyone here in this room everyone connected online that you would Help us, free us, and give us the strength and courage to to lay ourselves aside, to deny ourselves, pick up the cross, and follow you right now, today, God. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Lord, we don't want to... We know you don't like us to give ourselves to any idol, God, and even the idol of ourselves. But you, Jesus, is our God our Lord, our Savior. And so we commit to you right now, today, at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.